You're listening to a podcast from Gateway Baptist Church, leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. If you'd like to join us or find out more, visit gatewaybaptist.com.au. Good morning. How are we this morning? Good. All the extroverts are still talking, the introverts are ready for the message. Let's get ready. We're, uh, we're starting a new series today. Uh, the books of uh, First and Second Samuel are uh, called David. We're, we're going to look at the life of King David, Israel's uh, greatest king, who 3,000 years later is still famous. You know, partly because there is a uh, five meter tall statue of David in, in Florence. It's actually a statue of David before he's going to uh, fight Goliath. He's got the, his sling slung over his shoulder. You know, you can see that the muscles, you know, standing out in, in his neck and in his arms. He's, he's ready for battle. He's, he's, looking, he's looking wary. He's in a, a, a classic battle pose with his body twisted, you know, ready to, uh, to, to go into battle and take on his enemy. And for some bizarre reason, he's about to go and fight an eight-foot giant in the nude, completely stark naked. I think somebody should have done a risk assessment, you know, on, on this idea. I'm sure it breaks some sort of ancient WH&S policy. But uh, no matter, 4,000 people a day go to gawk at his naked body every day, including my good wife. We're not going to spend any more time uh, observing the details of uh, Michelangelo's depiction of David, but we are going to spend some time over the next four weeks looking at what the Bible says about King David, an obscure shepherd boy who became Israel's greatest king, a, a man who became a, a courageous warrior and, and won victories in the power of God, a man who's described as a man after God's own heart and wrote more worship songs in the Bible than any other man, and also a man that wasn't perfect, uh, a man that was broken like all of us, a man who, who sinned and he sinned badly, and it didn't just cause pain and grief to his own family, but it caused pain and grief to the family of God, to the heart of God, and to God's chosen nation. But in tragedy and triumph, the life of King David actually points us to another king. It points us to the king of all kings. And my prayer over these next four weeks that as we look at the victories of King David, we would be reminded and we would be filled with faith with the victory that King Jesus has won for us over sin and death. That as we reflect on, you know, David's heart of worship, that we would be filled, with, our hearts would be filled with worship with the King of all kings. And as we, you know, we look at, you know, David's brokenness, 
and his need for forgiveness that we too would come before Jesus and be full of thanks for the forgiveness that he has won for us on the cross. Hey, I'm gonna pray right now that uh, as we do unpack the, the life of David that we would see Jesus more clearly. And my prayer today is that every single person in this room would get prayed for. I really believe God just wants to pour out a blessing in our lives today. And he wants to pray for everyone online and we've got a way of doing that. And he wants to pray for every, wants every person in this room to receive prayer and I think we've got a way uh, of doing that because God wants us to, to live in the power and the blessing of his Holy Spirit. Uh, we wanna pray for that today. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of David. Thank you for this great king. And would you help us to see the king of all kings as we look at his life. God, would you speak to us today about our desperate need for you and the anointing that we need of your Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Samuel, who's the author of these books, is a prophet. You've got to remember, this is the Old Testament. They're living under the Old Covenant. You know, people couldn't, you know, simply, you know, come into the presence of God for themselves and hear the voice of God themselves. They didn't have the living Word of God, uh, you know, for themselves in its fullness. And so God would send prophets to speak to the people uh, on his behalf. Samuel's one of these prophets, and Samuel is the prophet that actually anointed Saul as Israel's first ever king. Unfortunately, Saul became disobedient. His heart went hard uh, towards God, turned away from God, and God rejected him as king. And this grieves Samuel, who is uh, writing this history book for us today. That's where we're going to pick it up, First Samuel chapter 16. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider here his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, no, has the Lord chosen this one? Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, he's out tending the sheep. 
Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. Everyone say anoint. Anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. God appoints without considering appearances. Let me just read verse seven again. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. David was not the first pick in his family. David was not you know, picked because he, he was the strong one in his family, because he was the smart one, because he was the most successful one. You know, David was not even in the top seven. He wasn't in the top seven in his family. You know, when, when Samuel comes to Jesse and Jesse says, bring out your sons, he doesn't even bother to bring David back from the fields. He thinks there's no way this could be the one that's going to be anointed king of Israel. He doesn't even bother to call for him. There's no way he's the one. And Samuel says to Jesse, are these seven sons all that you have? Seven sons is a lot of sons. I imagine the food bill. I imagine seven teenage boys in, the, in your house, seven growing boys. You know, when, when I was a teenager, I ate a whole row of wheat bix every morning. Imagine seven sons, just a whole box of wheat bix every morning. Imagine the smell. You know, when I was a teenager, my, my bedroom used to be near the front door of the house. My parents decided this would not do anymore. And they moved at great expense my bedroom to the furthest room from the front door of the house because people would walk into our house and they would smell the smell from my footy socks emanating from the, the, the bedroom and they would not want to enter any further. Imagine that times seven just wafting through your house. Are these seven sons all that you have? And, and Jesse says, well, there's still the youngest. There's number eight. He's out in the field, but he can't possibly be the one. David's the runt of the litter. He's a simple shepherd. But God does not look at outward appearances or judge by human standards. David, God looks at the heart. Now, God's, God's never judged by outward appearances. You look at all of the, the people through scriptures that God has appointed for significant tasks. You know, when God calls Moses to, to set the people of Israel free from slavery in Egypt, Moses argues over and over again. He says, I'm just a gibberer. I, I can't even talk properly. But God says, I'm with you and you will be my mouthpiece, and I'll help you. 
You know, last week we looked at the story of Gideon. You know, and Gideon, when, when God appoints him to save Israel from the hand of Midian, you know, Gideon says, you know, I, I'm, I'm the least in the weakest family. But God says, I'm with you and I call you mighty warrior. I, I call you mighty man of valor. God sees something different. You know, when Paul is called to be a light to the Gentiles, he's appointed to take the gospel to places that has never been heard before. Ananias says, I'm not going to visit that guy. I know his reputation. He is bad news. But God says, he is my chosen instrument to take good news to people who've never heard it before. And when Samuel turns up to, to appoint the next king of Israel, David's dad, Jesse, says he's the youngest. He's a shepherd boy. You won't want him. But God says he's the one. I see his heart and I like it. Rise and anoint him as king. You see, David is overlooked by his family. But God looks at the heart and he likes what he sees. And some of us here in this room, we actually know what it feels like to be overlooked by our family. We know what it feels like to be overlooked by our colleagues or our friends. We know what it feels like to be rejected. And some of us, we've actually got a soundtrack in our mind of rejection. And over and over in different ways, you know, we tell ourselves, you know, if we've been rejected by our human family, then we too will be rejected by our Father in heaven. And some of you, it's not so much a soundtrack of rejection, but it's a soundtrack of accusation. Because you or others have judged your worth and judged your ability by human standards that God never applies. And you've got this constant voice of accusation in your head. You'll never amount to anything and you'll never be able to do anything significant for God because of these standards that you set for yourself. If you're here this morning and you feel overlooked by your family, or you've got words of rejection or accusation that are going round and round in your head that's impacting or is diminishing, you know, the appointment that God has for your life. I want to remind you, if you're in Christ, what God says about you. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, for, you, for he chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined you for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He has adopted you into sonship, into daughtership, into his family. You are chosen. You are adopted. And it's got nothing to do with your accomplishments. It's got nothing to do with your appearance. It's got everything to do with what Jesus has done for you. And it gave him great pleasure to adopt you into his family. You have not been rejected. And if you've got faith in Jesus Christ, you will never face rejection from your Father in heaven. It goes on to say, For you are God's workmanship, you're his masterpiece, you're his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he's prepared in advance for you to do. You've been adopted into his family and you've been appointed before the creation of the world to do good works. You have an appointment that's been given to you by the king. Can we all just say This morning, I am appointed by the King of Kings. Come on, say it with me. I am appointed by the King of Kings. That is the soundtrack that you need in your head. There's some appointments that you'd prefer to avoid. You know, I'd prefer to avoid an appointment for a colonoscopy. There's some places a camera just should not go. There's some appointments that you might desire, but you're not going to achieve. Some of us here in this room think, I'd I'd love an appointment with the Prime Minister right now. There is some policies I'd like to change for the good of this nation. Or there's some taxes I'd like to abolish for the good of my bank account. As much as you want that appointment, you're probably not going to get it. Because with some people, Your appointment depends on your appearance and your accomplishments, but not with the King of Kings. He does not consider your appearance. He does not consider how smart you are, how strong you are, how successful you've been in the past. It's all about are you in Christ? If you are in Christ, you have been appointed by the King of Kings to fulfill his purposes on the earth. There's no imposters in the kingdom of God. There's no imposters. God appoints without considering appearance and God anoints whom he appoints. Verse 13 again, it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully Upon David. Samuel went to anoint David with a horn full of oil. He's ready to anoint him. The horn, you know, was a big ram's horn. They reckon it held somewhere between one and a half and two liters of oil. When he gets there, And when he sees the one that God has appointed, the one that God has chosen, He anoints him with this oil. And oil is simply a symbol of the Holy Spirit used throughout Scripture. It's a picture, you know, of of God's Spirit, his presence, his power, his provision, his protection to bring blessing. 
And we see in this moment as he is anointed with oil, it's actually the Spirit, it's not the oil that gives him power, it's the Holy Spirit that comes upon him that gives him power. He knows the presence of God with him. And we see through the books of 1 and 2 Samuel and the life of David because of the power of God's Spirit upon him. At the end of his life, in the book of Acts, it says he fulfilled all of you know, God's purposes in his generation. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind that on my gravestone at the end of my life. Now, Jason fulfilled all of God's purposes in his generation, and he did it because the power of God's Spirit was upon him, had anointed him with power. I'm, um, I just want to reenact this a little bit this morning, and uh, we, we don't have someone to anoint as king, but we do have someone who is ruddy and handsome and he's a really good leader. Would you give Tim Lucas a big hand as he comes out here this morning? And I, I don't have a big ram's horn full of oil today, but I, but I do have a jug full of water with about the same quantity in it. I just want to reenact just for a moment what happened that day when Samuel turned up to anoint David. He took that horn and he tipped it over his head. He says, anoint you, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're anointed king of the Mackenzie campus. <laughs> what do you notice? What, what do you notice? Come on, what do you notice? He's soaking wet. It's more than enough. There's an overflow. And this simple shepherd boy, he actually did write a lot of worship songs, but one of them probably is most famous. We read at funerals all the time. But it's actually a song for the living and not for the dead. And it starts with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because he's got everything that I need. And he goes on to talk about the qualities of God that he understands from being a shepherd himself, a, a God who restores, a God who guides, a God who protects. But then in verse five, David sings out of personal experience, you anoint my head with oil, my cup, say it with me, it overflows. There, there was anointing of God's spirit on David's life, which was not just for him. And we see in David's life as the power of the spirit came upon him. It wasn't just God blessing him with power and presence and, and protection and provision, but God came upon him so powerfully as he was anointed that the whole nation was blessed by God. And it's a picture of what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to anoint our head with oil so that our cup overflows. So it's not just us that are blessed, but the blessing of God flows from us to others. Would you give 
our shepherd boy, Mr. Tim Lucas, a big uh, hand this morning. You know, God's anointing, it never runs out. It never dries up. There's always more than enough because he wants to bless you and he wants to bless the people around you. And like David, we are called to live and to minister out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain people like David for particular tasks. But in the New Testament, we see in Christ, the Holy Spirit has come upon all all of us, and in fact, if you're in Christ, we have all been anointed by the Spirit. Let me just read from First, Second Corinthians. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He, say it with me, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, in the chat here this morning, or if you're in the room, I want you to say it. If you're in the chat, I want you to type it. This is what I want you to remember today. Say it with me. I am appointed by God. I am anointed by God. I am the anointed appointed. So how do we live? How do we live in the overflow of the Spirit? How do we live in the anointing of God's Spirit in our lives and rather than just trying to keep up appearances and work hard to look God and look good and to keep God happy? How do we live out of the overflow of God's Spirit? Four A's for us this morning. I'm gonna do it real quick. Some of you just need to pick up one of them. Probably don't need to remember all four, but some of you are gonna have to pick up one of them. Firstly, abandon. It's abandoning self to be filled with more of God. Second Chronicles chapter 16, it says the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to him. He is not looking for superstars. He is looking for hearts that are submitted to him. He's looking for people that have abandoned themselves to the cross of Jesus Christ and have said, it is not I that live, but it's you that lives in me. We are simply called to surrender, to submit, to abandon ourselves to Jesus and he will fill us with his spirit and we'll live out of the overflow of his spirit. David prays prayers like this and maybe this is the prayer you need to pray today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David says, even if there's stuff that I haven't submitted to you in my heart, show me what it is because I want to give it to you. I want to be fully abandoned to your power, to your presence. Secondly, you've got to ask. Jesus himself says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He wants us to ask. It goes on to say that we should ask with boldness. We should ask with a shameless audacity. We are to ask. Some of you don't have. You don't experience the power of God's Spirit flowing through you simply because you haven't asked. You know, when I started, you know, in, in ministry uh, 30 years ago, 
It was because God filled me with his spirit in a quite a powerful, tangible way. Just began to change me from the inside out. Gave me an appointment to, uh, to preach the, the gospel. A couple of years in, I'm leading a, a youth ministry. I'm preparing a series on spiritual gifts. And I just kept coming up against this gift of tongues that's all the way, you know, through the book of Acts. And it wasn't something that was part of my experience. It wasn't something that was part of the culture I, I grew up in. And I got to a point of just realizing, I wonder if I should ask for this gift. It's in Scripture. Scripture tells us to ask. And so I asked. In fact, I remember at a, a youth leader's, you know, retreat day, just getting a bunch of young teenagers to pray for me. It just felt like God told me to ask for this gift. And over the next few months, every time I was in worship, whether I was in church or just in my own private worship space, I just found this language started to come out of me that I didn't understand. And it felt a bit weird. I didn't tell anyone for a while. But what I noticed after about a three or four month period is that every time that I, I began to either speak or sing in this language, I could feel faith rise up in my heart. I could feel the power of God just begin to rise up within me in a way I knew I could not manipulate myself. I could not do with human endeavor. I began to realize it's a gift that, that God has given me to fill me with power and strength. And it's a gift I've used now for 20-something years. Whenever, you know, I just kind of don't know the way forward, whenever I'm feeling weak, whenever, you know, I just, I, I'm lacking faith, I just begin to, to pray and, and declare God's praises in this way and God begins to fill me with power and strength. I'm not saying everybody should have that gift. I'm just saying some of us, don't walk in the power that is on offer to us because we have not asked. We need to abandon ourselves to, to, uh, to the cross. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit that God says he'd love to give to us. We need to abide. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Who are you who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Anyone want to bear much fruit? I, anyone want to bear much fruit? Oh, the two of you, awesome. Um, but without me, you can do nothing. You, you can only minister to others out of what, you know, Jesus is ministering to you. You cannot give extravagant love to others when you're living under constant judgment. You, you cannot love others the way that Jesus loves you when you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart. You, you cannot minister wisdom to others when you're living in constant foolishness. You can only minister to others what Jesus is ministering to you. Otherwise, you know, the pressure on the outside, inside begins to build up. You've got nothing left to give and you implode or you explode and it's not good for anybody. We are called to abide in God's word. Let him minister to us. My simple way of doing this is just reading the Bible and waiting until just words jump off the page to me. Sometimes it happens in the first verse. Sometimes it happens three chapters in. But I'm just waiting for God to speak to me. What's your living word today? But the only way those words can jump off the page and minister to me is if I open the page. We've got to abide David says a similar thing, or we think it's David that wrote Psalm 1. He says, you know, um, 
Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his word day and night. It'll be like a tree, not a vine, but a tree that, that, that yields fruit in season. Whatever they do prospers. He's saying there's an abiding, there's an abiding in God's word that brings much fruit and fruit that will last. If we want to live and minister out of the overflow of God's spirit in our lives, we've got to abandon, we've got to ask We've got to abide. And lastly, some of us here today have got to activate. There's an activation of the gift that's within you. There's an activation of the faith that God has put within you. Paul says to Timothy, he says, you know, do not neglect the gift that is within you by the laying on of my hands, but fan it into flame. Fan into flame the gift that's within you. Activated. You have all been appointed. You've all been anointed. And part of that anointing is, is the gifts of the Spirit within you. And maybe you discovered some of them afresh as we did that Come Holy Spirit series at the beginning of the year. And maybe some of those gifts are lying dormant in you right now. And you need to activate them by faith. You know, the first time I ever preached, it was an absolute nightmare. I preached this terrible message about Jesus being gentle, humble, and kind, and you should be gentle, humble, and kind too. And it was kind of accurate. But I got halfway through, and I had no idea what I was going to say next. I paused for a lot longer than that. It was awkward. And I couldn't read my notes now I can't read my notes because my eyes are terrible. I've got no idea what's written there. But back then, I just couldn't find where I was up to. Now I just repeat the same thing I said three times until I remember the next thing I've got to say. But I didn't know any of those tricks back then. It was awful. I just wanted to dig a hole and hide myself in it. But in the midst of all that, I felt the power of God within me in a way I didn't experience very often. And so I decided not to neglect the gift, but to activate the gift. And I activated it by praying and asking others to pray for me and anoint me and fill me with the Holy Spirit. I activated it by practicing a lot. And I activated by submitting myself to, to the elders and submitting myself to others to, to give me feedback. I want to encourage you today. Do not neglect the gift, even if it feels like it's in an immature form. Activate it. Begin to activate that gift, fan it into flame. God has appointed you and he has anointed you to live and to minister out of the overflow of the power of the Holy Spirit. He's appointed you and anointed you to point people to Jesus. None of us here in this room I'm going to get the worship team to come up. None of us here in this room have been chosen to lead Israel. None of us here will ever be anointed the king or queen. None of us are royalty. But it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 that you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. 
You're a people belonging to God. You have been called. You have been appointed. You have been anointed to declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You see, this series we're doing on King David, it is not about pointing people to David to praise David. King David was a great king. He did fulfill God's purposes in his generation. But at the end of his life, he died and he was buried in a tomb and he stayed in darkness. But there was another king who came to sit on his throne and that throne would last forever and he too died. He died an inglorious death on a cross to forgive your sins, to bring you in to a relationship, a living relationship with the living God forever. And he too was placed into the darkness of a tomb. But the light broke in. The light broke in on the third day. That stone was rolled away. And Jesus' dead body was no longer there. Jesus had risen from the dead because he's no ordinary king. Jesus Christ, the one who died on a cross to forgive your sins, he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. He is risen from the dead and he is alive today. He is the only hope for you. He's the only hope for this broken world that we live in. He has come and he has poured out his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is given to you, lives in you, has anointed you and he invites us to ask him, for more, for fresh anointing, fresh power, a greater understanding of his presence, a blessing of provision and protection. He says, ask for more because I've appointed you to continue my ministry in the world today. Jesus himself in a human body, he needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. His very first sermon was a little bit better than mine, but he stood up and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to see the, the, the blind get to see, you know, to see prisoners set free and the, oppre the oppressed find freedom in Jesus' name. And he calls us today not to do everything that he did ourselves, but together we are the body of Christ and we continue all of the ministry of Jesus that he declared in his first sermon to give good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. Some of you here, you've got a special anointing on your life to minister to the poor. Some of you have got a special anointing on your life to pray for the sick. Some of you have got a special anointing on your life to set people free as you pray for them in Jesus' name. Some of you have got a special anointing to proclaim the good news we're all called to be witnesses, but some of you have an anointing to be evangelists. And he wants you not just to pull your socks up and try harder and strive and do more. He's saying, just come before him and ask for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit in our lives that anoint us afresh today. Not just to bless us, but to bless the people around you. You have been appointed and anointed to point people to Jesus and he is the only hope for this world. Can we stand together this morning? I said at the beginning, I wanted to see everybody get prayed for this morning. I reckon it can happen. I'm gonna get our prayer team and a pastoral team down the front. 
I promise you, they won't have any jugs of oil. They don't have a horn of oil. They've got a tiny little squirter bottle. And uh, this morning, I've just asked them if they just squirt a little bit of oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit on their thumb and they just anoint your forehead with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And they pray. They pray that God would pour out His Spirit to overflowing. That you would live and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to invite you to come today. Come on your own. Come together. Come as a couple. Come as a family. Come however you'd like to come. But come just abandoned to the goodness of God, the love of God, and ask for more. If you're online today, just type in the chat. You want someone to pray for you today. You want someone to pray a blessing over you today. Just, I'm going to pray, but just start to come right now. Don't, don't wait. Get first in line. You, you don't want to miss out. I just believe there's an appointment here today. God wants to anoint you with the power of His Holy Spirit. Come on, just start to line up. Someone will uh, pray for you in a moment, but let's pray together. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus. Thank You that he, he lived and He died and He rose again. And thank You that He is our only hope today and forevermore and for every person we ever lock eyes with. God, today, would You come by Your Holy Spirit, pour out Your Spirit, Fresh revelation, God. New filling, God. Anointed to point people to Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Can I encourage you, as you you get someone to pray for you today, go back to your pews and find someone else to pray for. I I just think these next 10 minutes is actually, the team's going to sing. They're going to start to sing this prayer over us today. But let's spend the next 10 minutes just praying for one another. Just believing together for one another. Just just praying that God would pour out His Spirit in our lives in new ways. You might get to someone to pray for, and you're going to know what you're going to say, but when you get there, you find just words coming out that are going to be a blessing to them. It might be simple. Don't make it complicated. Just pray God's abundant blessing over people. Come on, just begin to calm, begin to sing, begin to pray. Take hold of what God's got for you this morning. Spirit
until Christmas. So uh, I'm just, just going to get a couple of people, Kath, Andy, Joel, could you come too, mate? Just uh, just see if you can get some oil off people. Just as anybody else here this morning, you, you want to come, you want to just come pray, mate. So just, uh, just love, if you've already been prayed for particularly, just just come and just uh, join the team here. Just just keep moving, finding someone. We'll, we'll get some oil from somewhere. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Just bring, can you bring the box up here? If, if you're not, if you're not down the front getting prayed for, just look for someone to pray for. I, I said this, this last end of this service, this team's gonna sing for us, you can sing with them. I just believe this is a time to pray in faith, pray a blessing of God over people. Just if if you love Jesus and love people, there's a prayer in your heart for someone. Just find someone, pray for today. Pray that God would would overflow His goodness and His grace in, in their lives. If you don't feel comfortable to pray for someone personally, right now, just discipline yourself to take hold of that word of faith that God's got for you. Let it start to shape your heart. Some of you just need to pray it over and over again. There's a new soundtrack. There's a new word of faith that you're taking hold of that's gonna shape your future. The past isn't gonna define you anymore. There's a new word that's gonna shape your future. Just begin to take hold of it. Come on, just stay. Stay in the presence of God this morning. Just continue to declare, continue to pray. Continue to pray for one another.
today. Some of you in business, there's a new anointing on your leadership. Now, David was called to, to lead spiritually in Israel, but he was also called to lead civilly. And there's some of you here today that the call is for you to lead in the marketplace. The call is for you to be a light in this city. I just believe that there's a fresh anointing God wants to pour out, a new confidence today to, to, to minister, to lead in, in, in the, the affairs of this city, whether it be in government, whether it be in medicine, whether it be in business. There's a new anointing. Just receive it today. God, I pray for whoever that is today. God, that You would come upon them, that You would give new confidence. God, fresh revelation. God, confirm the mission and the vision that You have for them and for their family and for their business. God, give them prophetic insight. Someone today, I don't know whether you're online or you're in the room, but this word adoption is really powerful for you today. You've felt for a long time the sting of rejection. You need to understand before the beginning of time, God chose to adopt you. He knew you were gonna sin. He knew you were gonna walk outside of His ways, but He chose to adopt you and position you in His family. You're a much-loved son and daughter. It's a new soundtrack to take hold of. It's a new word for you today.
one more person I want to speak to. I don't know, again, I don't know if you're online or in the room, but you've actually walked in here a little cynical and a little sceptical. You've served God in the past, you've been in ministry in the past, but there's some scepticism and cynicism in your heart and God's setting you free of that today. He's restoring your soul. He's given you new vision, new understanding, new hope for the future. He's, he's going to take away that scepticism and cynicism and replace it with a new childlike faith and passion. Just want to encourage you to receive it today if that's for you. A new childlike faith, childlike faith. It's almost like the transformation you're doing is, is making, is undoing all of our, our disappointment and you're giving us a new innocence, a new childlike faith, a new wonder at how you, good you are, God. Just take hold of that if that's for you. Some of us today, we're just taking hold of a new word, just a new way of operating, a new, a new place, a new posture of just operating out of the power of the Holy Spirit. Take hold of it today. Take it with you. Keep living in it. Keep walking in it. Minister out of the overflow of God's Spirit. Get soaked. Get drenched in the Spirit of God. Be blessed. We'll be back next week, continuing the series through David, but pointing to the King of Kings every week. God bless you. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family, and if you'd like to discover more about where we meet in all our locations and online, visit gatewaybaptist.com.au.